Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, it was just a very, it was a very funny one that I just wanted to start with. If that's all right, uh, it comes from Caroline. Are we up and running? Lovely, Kate. Uh, thank you for making me laugh so much listening to Off Air. Could you last... read that sentence properly, <laughs> please? <laughs> I mean, I know we're not at the BBC, but standards don't need to drift. <laughs> Dear Jane and Fee, thank you for making me laugh so much listening to Off Air last night regarding the moon landing. I've got my own suspicions purely because it's been over 50 years since the historic event and surely by now there'll be a Costa Coffee or similar outlet up there. Kind regards, Caroline. Yes, Caroline's with and me. And she's right. Oh, she is. You would have thought there'd be at least a couple of, I don't know, betting shops. Uh, some pound lands, the usual high street stuff. All the, all the ubiquitous stuff would be up there, wouldn't it? Yeah. And it's not. Nope. So can we all agree there was something spooky about those halcyon days in 1969? Only I'm old enough in this room to remember. But I was there. Well, I was you there. You can't remember. Yes, but I was only a couple of months old. Well, I was born in 1969. Yes. Okay. So for a while, I thought that I had a treasure chest of money, courtesy of the moon landings, because my godfather gave me some commemorative medals. And as a kid growing up, I was only allowed to look at them kind of once every other year. They were kept in a very safe place. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, these must be worth an absolute fortune. They're the actual medals that were given to the astronauts. <laughs> and I always thought it was quite strange that... Uh, that Willie Taylor, my godfather, had them, but mm. I didn't like well, to ask too many questions. What were his connections? Uh, he was in America. Okay, so it's it's it could have happened. Yeah. Yep, uh, but it turns out you know it's a little bit like the Silver Jubilee commemorative coins. We all got one, didn't we? Basically, yep. But I do still have them, and I do look at them from time to time. But it was a bit of a disappointment when I found out. But I think that's proof that they did actually happen because they wouldn't have made all the commemorative medals if it didn't actually happen. You're so easily fooled. <laughs> Me and Caroline, we know quite well that never, ever happened. You've been conned. <laughs> OK. Calm I've got, down. I've got a little treasure chest in which I keep my uh, Blue Peter badge, the bronze medal for life-saving, uh, the felt thing that you could stitch onto your costume, but I never did because I couldn't do needlework. And what else have I got in there? Some, some, just some old coins. I had a much-loved um, great-aunt who went through a phase towards the end of her life where she announced there was no rhyme nor reason to this that coins, she believed, should be pronounced Cohen's. Cohen's? Yes, yeah, so she just started doing it. <laughs> and at her funeral, I, um, I did the eulogy. She died. She was 101 when she died. Wow. And um, I, I, I mentioned that. And it was the thing, you know, you think you can get through this kind of when you're doing one of these things at a funeral, you think, oh, I'll be fine. You know, she was 101. I'm not going to wobble. But it was when I got to that bit about her sudden decision that coins was pronounced coins that I started to have got the old vocal quake. Cause yeah. I just thought, oh, just it's just so silly. <laughs> it was so silly, but it was so her. 
It sounds like an incredibly posh version of coins. Cunes. Oh, she's a scouser. But, I'm going um, to get my cunes she was a, She was a retired teacher, so she definitely did have standards. But, um, yeah, anyway, it's fun. funny the things you remember, isn't it? In it. Uh, can we just say a big hello to Maraid, uh, who sent us a lovely email, and thank you for that. And the PS says, I'd always thought that when I got around to emailing, it would be witty and pithy, but I've gone with from the heart in the end, and that's absolutely fine by us. Why well, are we not going to hear the rest of the email? Well, no, because it's one of those ones that's just being incredibly nice about listening to the podcast and oh, we okay. don't do those just in case our egos burst oh and yeah there would be a horrific mess in the studio. <laughs> Such a mess. But... And, and and then we'd expect someone else to clear it up wouldn't we oh absolutely well I've, I'm just, <laughs> no way i'm doing it um I, we've all we've practically got royalty listening uh in the form of a lady who was once the proud occupier of uh the important role of lord mayor of bristol between 2019 and 2021. And that would be actually um, Councillor Joss Clark around the time my child was at the university in that magnificent city. So I very much hope that she didn't cause you any bother. They certainly had some good times. I know that much. Uh, but there's a wonderful photograph that Joss has sent us. I heard your item about someone who was a sword bearer. And I wanted to share with you both that I was Lord Mayor of Bristol between 2019 and 2021, and I had a sword bearer. Photo attached. Um, <clears throat> is, it, is it the size, size of the sword that has given yes. you the giggles? Because it doesn't even fit in the picture. It's so so big. tall. So, by the way, Joss, you look magnificent in your Lord Mayoral robes. Absolutely fantastic. A lovely, is it tricorn hat? That would you yes, call that? Yes, yeah. yeah. And her sword bearer is a, an also a lady uh, wearing a, a beautiful, uh, is it a, a black outfit with one of those wonderful white ruffles at the collar? And I'm hoping it's uh, not fur, but what looks like a fur hat that is, it looks a little bit like a post box on top of her head, doesn't it? It probably is real fur, isn't it? But let's just move on quickly from that, because that might not be their own choice. No, no, I'm not, I'm not yeah. accusing the sword bearer of any cruelty to anything. I suspect that was just the hat that came with the roll. How heavy do you think that sword is? Well, she's, it's very, very upright. And it's very bejeweled. And very and bejeweled. enormous. And as you say, a good, must be six foot in there. Yeah. Yeah. A substantial sword the lady is bearing in her role as sword bearer. I mean, don't titter, people, please, for heaven's sake. But it's very, very upright. So, well done, and thank you very much. <laughs> thank you for the email. And if anybody else listening has attained high office, we would very much welcome a photograph to prove your seniority. I mean, if you're listening to this, Dross, you're probably not senior anymore. But um, although Joss is still very much embroiled in local politics, she's the leader... Oh, no, she, perhaps she was the leader of the Liberal Democrat group. Oh, no, she is the leader of the Liberal Democrat group in Bristol. Sorry, we got there in the end of one. <laughs> and I, listen, I don't think it's un, it's not an unfair observation to say I think there are quite a few Liberal Democrats down that neck of the woods, aren't mm. they? So uh, there we are. Have you ever been drawn to a profession because of the uniform that you'll be able to wear? Well, yes, because I did want to be in the Navy. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> How has it taken seven years of podcasting for you to reveal that <laughs> because uh, you know when you're at that stage where i mean you're when you're very young and you suddenly you're, you're, people keep asking you do you have any idea what you're going to be when you're older and do they ask it in that voice well they, they it was that was the voice of the sort of irritant middle-aged interfering friend of your parents who'd start bombarding you with these sorts of questions when you were about 14 15 so i uh, duly inspired or irritated by their inquiries i sent off for some leaflets and one of which was about being in the navy because in liverpool you did to be fair you did see obviously you'd go past the docks you'd see lots of ships and it seemed like a the possibility of an interesting life only the bad news came back with the leaflet quite a lot of the stuff they sent you um was that i'd have to have a handbag as part of the official wren's uniform because they were sort of quite distinct from the rest of the navy the women they didn't sail <laughs> In the end, thought they didn't go on ships in those days, so it did seem to be a trifle limited to. A Why were you put off by a handbag? Well, I didn't want to wear the handbag because I didn't. I, I, it was one of the things I dreaded about being a, a, a grown woman was t were two things: handbags and tights. 
Oh, I'm with you on tights. Yeah, I just thought, I don't want to wear bloody tights. But I think I was drawn to adulthood because of a handbag. Well, this this didn't appeal to me. Um, Perhaps anybody listening who joined the Wrens or has served in the Navy can tell me more about it. But I'm afraid I was instantly put off at the prospect of a desk job in Portsmouth. I just thought, well, I may as well stay in Liverpool. What's the... There's no point, is there? So you didn't really want to be in the Navy then? Well, not as it turned out, no. (laughs) But I'd I did be... send off for a pamphlet. I bet you sent off for some pamphlets, didn't you? Well, there were lots. There were lots of pamphlets. Because in... this is what you had to do pre-internet, wasn't it? Yeah, the, in the yeah. dusty careers room. Yeah, which also doubled up as the home for dead textbooks in our school. So it had that kind of fusty smell about it. Mm. Uh, and it was a corner room that got all the sunlight. And there's a point to this, which is just you went in there and within about 20 minutes you wanted to have a doze because it was always you really didn't warm. want a career. And it had kind of low-level seating because you were meant to be reading through all the pamphlets and deciding what you wanted to be. Everyone yeah. just went to sleep. Uh, so the pamphlets were... Um, well, they were know, quite sort of jaunty. They were teaching and they were nursing yeah. and... My life as a podiatrist, that sort of thing. Exactly, yeah. that sort of thing. And then there was some... I think there was some you know, maps and tourist guides to cities, other cities you could just go and live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't remember it ever being staffed, that room. I think you were just kind of sent in in the sixth form to just go and spend half an hour in the careers room. But I may be doing it down. And, you know, other people might remember, you know, a much kind of firmer hand on the grasp of our futures at St Swithin's School for Girls, <laughs> but I don't. Let's hear it for the yeah. old St Swithin's. Anyway, uh, Jane has sent a lovely, thoughtful email about trying to breastfeed twins. So this is uh, after our recent lovely interview with Joanna Wolfarth about breastfeeding. Uh, And Jane just describes this fantastic uh, kind of pose that she had to adopt, which is basically like holding two rugby balls under each arm with the babies then attached in the front and that's the only way that she could manage to do it. So she could she could feed them both at the same time? For a while, uh, but then I think the exhaustion sets in and just trying to produce that amount of milk all at the same time slightly defeated her. But also the lovely point of Jane's email, apart from describing that, uh, is to say that Joanna's words really resonated with me and she was absolutely right about women pitting against each other in groups. It's so negative and harmful. My lovely daughter Sophie has recently discovered she's pregnant with our first grandchild and I will do everything, says Jane, to support her and encourage her to follow her instincts and not be overwhelmed by the pressure of others. She's on the other side of the world in New Zealand and has been feeling quite wretched as she's suffering with... I can never say this properly. Hyperemesis gravidarum. It's the really nasty mm. sickness, what, isn't it? Uh, Kate Middleton. Had. Yeah, yeah. I think she's isn't isn't she the Princess of Wales now? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a shout out to her would be greatly royal expert <laughs> appreciated. Uh, I love her so much. That's her daughter, not Kate. And I can't wait to get out there to see and hug her and help her in any way I can. FaceTime just doesn't cut it. She loves the podcast and she got me onto the previous one during COVID and I've been with you ever since. Uh, You have great guests, but it's your banter that makes me laugh out loud. And she has asked us to say a very special hello to Joanna. We're so delighted to do that. It must be so horrible to be a long way away from your daughter Uh, just at the time when you know that you want to pass on those kind of wisdoms to her. So we say a big hello to you both. And obviously, I hope that that terrible, I mean, it's not morning sickness, it's all day sickness, Mm. passes. And I hope everything's okay with the pregnancy. But how exciting, though, to be waiting for your first grandchild. Congratulations. That sounds brilliant. And best of luck to you both. Uh, Can I just do one about our fashion shoot? Yes, you may. Right. (laughs) This is from Sam. And the headline here, you've turned my world upside down. Dear Fee and Jane, like many listeners, I urgently sought out the style section of my Sunday Times this week. A new experience in itself. Actually, Fee and I were so traumatised that I took the style section out and put it straight in the recycling. And Fee says she claimed she didn't open it So all. no, I can, t- I can send you a photo. It's still in its green packaging. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Unfortunately, says Sam, it was not the glory of your raiment which caught my eye as much as the simple caption. Jane Garvey left and Fee Glover, presumably on the right. It turns out that through my careless research many years ago, I've had you both the wrong way round all the time. Trying to transport each of your voices into the opposite body while listening to the podcast this morning has left me quite discombobulated. 
I may have to I may have to resort <laughs> to putting one of your magnificent photographs on the fridge with identifying post-it notes until I've got the hang of reality. Have a good week, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Um, if you are going to stick a photo on the fridge, make it the one where we're wearing the same dress. <laughs> Like wet legs grannies, we're posing on these lime bikes. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. Um, and yes, please put that on your fridge, Sam. I mean, I'll tell you what, it'll put you what you won't be opening the fridge very often. You just want to gaze in wonder at <laughs> oh. our magnificent visages. I know it is funny when you find out that the person you thought was somebody turns out not to be, but there we are. Yes, yep. Uh, let's not let you know, let's not dwell on the fashion shoot too much. Uh, but just to say there is something a bit strange, isn't there? About uh if you're good at one thing as a woman <laughs> you, you are absolutely by order of the universe not allowed to be good at something else. So do you know what I mean, Jane? Well, so I, we speak for a living. That's what we that's do. That's what we do, yes. And we don't make a great big thing out of how we look. But there, you speak for yourself. <laughs> there is, uh, there is no sense that anyone believed we would be easily transportable into a world of high fashion. That's all I'm saying. No, and I'm not saying it in a kind of gripey way. Because we that's wear a, what, not what we wanted to do anyway. No, of course not. No, but, but were we not clad in? wearable looks but they weren't sorry but you can't that's... you've never seen me not wearing cargo pants with bright green <laughs> stiletto type pointy shoes i'm always looking like that yeah look i you know i take your point it's interesting though about women are only allowed to be one thing and there are i know i keep talking about these tv shows i've seen in preview but i've seen these paula yates documentaries which go out i think it's next week actually um, and she is a really interesting figure revisited through sort of our eyes in the 21st century. She died in the year 2000 and she was very difficult to sort of pin down because she was ditzy ish, but she was also brilliantly clever. She was flirty, but she was also somebody who wrote quite a lot about the glories of domesticity. And, yeah, and um, she was a very careful and responsible mother of three yeah, no, girls. She was she was all of those things, but she was she was both she was also beautiful she had lots of very well publicized relationships with very famous men and wow did people take took they really took issue with Paula Yates it was incredible the, the treatment she got at the hands of some members of the press some members of the public and a, a hell of a lot of the female newspaper columnists went for a with oh they just couldn't believe their luck really well she had the temerity to leave uh a, a brilliant man. I well, mean, I've put, she, I put yeah. brilliant in inverted commas there in my head. Well, he was a saint. Yes. Bob yeah. Geldof. Yeah. But she was she was unhappy in that yeah. relationship. Do you know what? I really properly, properly adored Paulie Yates. So there aren't very many figures uh, that I really... Um, uh, it's no understatement to say slightly kind of worshipped in my 20s, but for all of those reasons, she seemed to do something that other women just weren't managing to do, to do yeah. and she did it with such a kind of impish style as well I thought she was absolutely wonderful and my heart went out to her when because she lost her future and her past didn't she within a very very close period yeah. of time so she discovered that her dad wasn't her dad, dad and then she lost her future with Michael Hutchins I think and actually so, he died first and then she found out almost within a week yeah so where yeah. would you be you've lost both no, perspectives on your life yeah so, so it's a, they're really interesting programs and they really do a little bit like the George Michael documentaries they take you back to actually around the same period of time so George Michael died in 98 no, sorry, George Michael was outed in 1998 in these Channel 4 documentaries this week are about that. And then Paulie Yates is their subject next week. And she was absolutely um, treated in a way that I I was going to say I don't think would happen now. And then, of course, you think about oh, it happens all Caroline the time Flack now. and yeah. oh, they only realise actually we haven't really changed. But anyway, um, they, they, you're right. It's women on the whole, society needs them to be to stay, stay in their lane yep. and not, not stray. And you're right. Neither of us have pursued a modelling career. Uh, I think we've probably peaked in terms of modelling. I think we have, Jane. Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, Pat says, uh, sorry, at the end of her email, and there's no need to apologise. She says, I've tried your podcast on Times Radio, but I can't stomach the ads. Worse, though, is the music. When it plays, I jump out of my skin. If I turn the volume down such that the music is tolerable, I can't hear you. <laughs> 
So we're having a bit of a think about the music, aren't we? I think it's a little bit like the beginning of a Peloton class. So it's I a little, wouldn't. It's a little busy. I wouldn't it? mind if it if it went down tempo just a wee bit, just a wee bit. So I've put in for that, and Have we'll you? see just how powerful I am. Do you find the people here listen to you? Well, uh, I hope they do, Jane. Not in a foot stamping kind of way, but in a collegiate kind of way. Um, we've got a great guest, actually. You're probably thinking, I wish they'd built up, so let's uh, tell us who the guest is. It's Vanessa Feltz. Oh, Vanessa yes, Feltz. But we'll get on to her in a minute, because we have got some cracking emails. Jane and Fee at times.radio. Um, I really wanted to mention an email that somebody wrote to us. They don't want it reading out, so we won't do that. But there's someone who has landed recently uh, what is, in effect, their dream job, and they're doing their dream job, and they can't believe their good luck, but they're also riddled with a certain amount of self-doubt and a bit of self-loathing, and they come back from work in the evening and think, oh, I could have done that better. Why did I do that? Why didn't I do it a different way? Everybody will think I'm rubbish. And um, I really, really don't want you to obsess about that because I'm sure you're doing really brilliantly well in your dream job and just enjoy it and go with it. And I'm going to sound now like a complete prat, and Fee is going to laugh, and she's already preparing to laugh, but it does remind me, Fee, of a quote I've recently come across. The whole issue reminds me of this quote that I came across very recently. I can't remember where from Einstein. Now, please don't laugh because I'm going to try and get this right. Kate, don't you laugh either. And I can't remember where I read it, but it was something about um, a consciousness that creates a problem cannot solve it. Oh, my goodness. So so in other words, so self-doubt, which is her issue, she is not... Because it's her who's come up with the notion that she isn't good enough and you are good enough. Otherwise, trust me, they wouldn't have hired you. It's going to be very difficult to fight against the issue that only exists in her own consciousness, if you like. Because the truth is, in reality, our reality, um, we would not for one minute think that she didn't belong there. We would think she was brilliant and had every right to be there. Mm. So that is a very clever... I hadn't thought of that. It's, uh, it's an interesting one. I but I you... wonder as well, given that, whether in telling us about it and us correcting it, that might help the problem a bit. Do you think if it's something that you admit to and you say out loud and therefore allow people to say, don't be so ridiculous, or to say, that's exactly how I feel too, then you think, oh, OK, it's not quite as bad as I thought. Maybe it's one of those Possibly. ones keeping it in yeah. just makes it worse and worse. Yeah, they chose you. For a reason. Yeah, and I'm sure you're very good. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure she is. I'm very impressed with the Einstein thing. Did you, where do you think you were when you read that? I have a hinterland. (laughs) I absolutely, of which you know nothing. Were were you in a mug shop? Was it on a tea towel? (laughs) TK Maxx, I've gone for one of my rummages first thing in the morning. First thing or last thing? Sparkly sequins across the back of a hoodie. God, I'm really backing up. Where the hell did I read that comment? It's very good. Yeah, I'm going to think about that. Not, I didn't get the com- I didn't get the quote right, by the way. But it's. I mean, I understand for the first time in my life. I think I understand what Einstein was getting at. Don't include this. Thing, for God's sake. <laughs> I've got an O level in biology. What, no, no, please include it. Einstein finally validated <laughs> after a lifetime of people putting him down. <laughs> Right, get on with it. Right, Vanessa Feltz uh, was our guest today and she was in because she was hosting a panel uh, to celebrate International Women's Day and the panel discussion will go up on the Sun's website tomorrow. She tells us during the body of the interview who's on the panel. But we also wanted to talk to Vanessa just about her life's work uh, and her work ethic and a little bit as well about what she's been through recently because she's had a very public relationship breakup. So we started by talking about the work and given that she is called the hardest working woman in British media, uh, we asked her when was the last time she actually took a day off. Uh, well I have holidays like like most people. I had I think I had a day I had a week off relatively recently for the last half term and I went to Ireland with my family. So I do I do have holidays sometimes. But you are often dubbed the hard most hard-working woman in Britain, aren't you? I mean, your work ethic is extraordinary. Where does that come from? I think it comes from fear of starving to death because you haven't got any money and nobody's going to buy you lunch. My father's favourite maxim, and it isn't when you think about it awfully kind or generous, was who's going to give you a pound? 
And the answer was no one, not your father, of course, certainly not your father or your mother or any neighbour or anyone who loves you. No one was ever going to give you a pound. And actually, I have found him, unfortunately, to be quite right. I've found lots of people who've wanted to take a pound, but not very many who would give me a pound. And so I felt tremendous pressure to to earn the money and, and, you know, to keep working. And also, as you know, when you're freelance, you're always scared that if you don't do the job or you don't take the offer, they won't ask you again. And, you know, somebody else will come along that they prefer or whatever it is. I don't know. So it's been a mixture of blind panic and um, and fear of having to send my children up the chimney, I think. And does a lot of it have to do with being a woman? Would you have had an easier ride if you'd been a man? Gosh, I don't know. I don't think I've I've spent much time thinking of myself as a working woman. I think I've just worked and been grateful for the work and the opportunity and just wanted to keep on doing it and not spent much time wondering if they've chosen me because they couldn't find a man to do it or they've chosen me because they thought I was better than a man who might want to do it. I've just kind of, I've just toiled away um, without without examining very much whether it's to do with being a woman or despite being a woman, I suppose. You have just chaired a panel for International Women's Day, just a reminder there. Um, And so does that kind of thing, does it mean anything to you? Do you think we should be having things like International Women's Day? God, yes, I do. do I'm not entirely convinced it has changed anything or does anything? I'm all in favour of it. I'm all in favour of anything at all that bigs up the sorority. I like sisterhood. I like other women um, uh, shoring up other women. I like support from women. I like women who network. I've never been any good at it. In fact, I've never really known how you do it or exactly whether... if, if you tried, it would be so transparent that people would laugh in your face and run away from you. So I've never really done any networking, but I quite like the idea of it. And I certainly like something that celebrates female achievement and opens pathways for other women to think that they could maybe do the same or better or differently. Um, and I like I like a ceremony anyway. I like a special yeah. day that marks it from other days. I like all that kind of thing. So I have been really pleased as anything to be the host of this excellent panel. And actually, the answers to the questions were incredible. They were exceptionally thoughtful. They were very, very different from one another. And the panellists were Nicola Adams, the boxer, and Kate Ferdinand, who, of course, was on a reality TV show, but is now married to Rio Ferdinand and is now the the poster woman for blended families. And boy, doesn't she talk about them sensitively and modestly and while acknowledging how difficult they are. She's absolutely terrific about that and has been a real beacon to other families struggling through. She's great. Nicola Adams was superb, incredibly funny and charming and self-effacing and having been the first and the best at absolutely everything and just absolutely smashed it out of the park. You think all she'd really done was gone and made an egg sandwich or something and sat down on the sofa. She's really, really great. And then we had Montana Brown, who um, was on um, Love Island in 2017 and talked about the the coming out of the the show and um, being absolutely assassinated on the grounds of her looks. Now, I thought she was in kind of world-class beauty and she was roundly and scathingly criticised for, I don't know, the size of a nose, the size of her teeth, the size of her lips, every single possible thing that could absolutely lacerate your confidence and diminish you. And she has somehow risen above it and, you know, she's, she's founded a business and she kicked all the bald men out and now she's just a kind of female-empowered business. I mean, I thought she was great, very articulate, very funny, really nice. Is still friendly with all her school friends and talked about that and talked about when she was at her lowest, resurrecting her hobbies from her youth like singing in a chamber choir and things like that and getting incredible solace and sustenance from doing the things that had made her happy before reality tv so i really liked her and we had sarah dines on it as well and she's the the minister kind of sort of campaigning against domestic violence and fgm and forced marriages and that kind of thing she went to a comprehensive school um lots of people said that she couldn't succeed as a barrister but she did her mum said you can be anything you want to be and you're as good as anyone girl and she was and she is and she's mum of four boys and she was great and I just thought they were four very different voices and when mm. you're the chair it's brilliant because if you don't want to answer any of the questions you just don't, don't so I just didn't for quite a lot of them so that was good Do you think that on International Women's Day uh, it's also worth considering what a male panel of a similar kind <laughs> of backgrounds uh, would have to say because increasingly with that misogyny that we are becoming I think more aware of uh, there is a danger isn't there in women talking to women without men being in the room. They are the people who need to hear us most at the moment. Funnily enough, there were some men in the room and they were very quiet. 
So I don't know what they were thinking. Certainly it was all being filmed. So it's going to be, um, you know, it's being discussed on your show now. It's going to be, you know, put out in various other media outlets. So there will be men who can enter the room metaphorically and, and hear what women had to say. Do I think there should have been one token man made to walk the plank or, or <laughs> suffer some kind of terrible embarrassment to make up for all that we've suffered at their hands? Yeah, of course I do. And I can think of a very good candidate for that, but I definitely wouldn't stoop so low as I'm being so dignified. So I wouldn't say who, but yeah, yep, why yep. not? No, never lose your dignity. Oh, definitely never, never. not. Can we just talk about uh, actually the aspect of, of the criticisms that Montana Brown has, has had to face up to? It is ludicrous, isn't it, how damaged we can all be by some lumpen oaf of an individual out there somewhere on the internet having a go at our appearance. Yes. It's just madness. And when will it stop? When will we stop caring about that kind of rubbish? I don't know. It's a hell of a good question. I got my comments on Instagram switched off. So if anybody wishes to call me something revolting, I don't have to hear it. And I don't see why I should. I liken it to, you know, whoever it was who went to see his therapist and said every single day I go and see my father and he punches me in the face. And the therapist said, well, how about you don't go and see your father? So I reckon if every time <laughs> you look on social media, there are people saying horrible things about you, why not switch it off? And I switch mine off. So I think everybody loves me on Instagram. They adore me. Yeah. Nobody, certainly no one tells me they well, don't. Because they can't, how no, about that? And that's how it should be. But what drives that person to sit wherever they might be? It could be at home, could be on the underground, could be on the bus. And they, they ping it out there. What do they think they're doing and why? And how do they justify it to themselves? I don't know if they even think it through. I don't know. It's, I think it's the kind of thing that people used to say to other human beings while watching telly. So Scylla Black would come yeah. on and you'd say to your mum, oh, I could never stand her. Or, you know, who yeah, does she exactly. think she is? Yeah. Or why is her hair that colour? Or blimey, or whatever it is. But now you're not doing that because there's no communal watching of telly and everybody's split up from everybody else. You're probably living on your own. You you see something or think something or read something. It ignites some horrible feelings of inadequacy or jealousy or malevolence or power in you and you just shoot off some horrible message about the person. Normally in the old days it would have been lost in the ether between you and your noxious mother together sitting there like horrible harpies dissecting total strangers in your living room. Well now you can you can send that message whizzing towards the eyes and ears of the person that you're thinking about. I mean it, it, it gives you a kind of fake empowerment but obviously as the, as the potential object of those nasty messages I think you can empower yourself by switching switching them off and not reading them, then they're irrelevant because you haven't seen them. I think that's quite good. And what do you think you would have uh, been like and what would your attitudes have been if you were a young woman and that had been happening to you? Because in a sense, we're all slightly lucky, I think, that we didn't live our 20s with that kind of glare and that kind of social media. Well, I didn't have social us. media, but I got famous when I was about 30-odd. And um, I had all kinds of utterly poisonous things written about me, largely about my appearance. Um, you know, breasts like World War One barrage balloons. She looks like the woman who ate her audience. Um, perfect... well, and this would be written by women sometimes. Sometimes women and sometimes men. Yeah. Um, the perfect face for radio, golders green hair, um, all kinds of things. And I, you can see I remember them. This is the oh, thing. Yeah. And it was, and some, in some cases, I've been famous for about thirty-five years. Or Do you something. remember any Long of the comments ago. saying that? you were really good at your job uh i wish i did i remember the horrible ones because they're so vivid and because they kind of um they burn themselves onto your consciousness in a particular way you can never quite get rid of them but but i became i mean not inured to and not really used to but 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 familiar with the experience of total strangers saying horrible things about me usually based on my appearance sometimes other things um and it isn't easy it's it's uh it's horrible and sometimes people ask me interviewers say well have you developed a rhinoceros hide and the answer is no of course not how do i feel about it i feel just like anybody else would feel I feel horrible do you believe that you're good at what your job oh yeah yeah, good. Yeah, I do. I think I'm, I'm good at my job. That. Sure, I do. Yeah, good at my job, yes. I thought you meant good as a human being. Am I a good person? No, no, you're you're I, was that good. I was about to tussle with that one. I was thinking, gosh, do I? Well, no, that's oh my an God. even better question. Are you good? Are you good? I think I am. I think I'm a good girl. I mean, I think I'm trying to be a decent person you know and I think people who work with me very often when I, if I've ever changed jobs people come with me from different companies that's and even sign. moving all the way across the country yeah. I think that's a, a good sign I, I mean I've I've tried to be a decent 
person. I hope people often I, I do meet people who say, Why well, I saw you know, I met you in nineteen eighty three and you you know, you, you you lent me your hairbrush or you you know, you gave me a paracetamol or you helped me do that. And I'm always I think, Oh thank God I did that. Good. I can't remember it, but I'm really pleased. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm trying to I'm I'm, sc- I'm scuttling around for some testimony to prove I'm good. I hope so. I think so. Well Vanessa, I met you, you won't remember this at all, but uh, oh, when God. you were working pretend at GLR. You remember. Yeah, just pretend. I hope uh, she's not when, gonna say anything bad. No, now. when you were doing Jewish London at GLR, which would have been God. God, 30, nearly 30 years ago. Yes. And you were absolutely lovely to me. Oh, well, that is, thank yeah. you. I'm pleased so you said you that. Go. That's very nice. <laughs> Jewish London was absolutely glorious. It was so marvellous. I used to call it the B'mitzvah of the airwaves. <laughs> I used to call it British broadcasting with a dice carrot on the top. And people used to say at GLR, which, as you remember, was a very right-on kind By of station. By the way, I need to interrupt to say that oh, was sorry. the BBC's very fashionable local radio station. Yes. Yeah. Now renamed... Radio London, London, BBC Radio London, yeah, but okay. in those days it was, and I've only just left it. I've been there all yeah. that time, thirty-three years, and 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 so people used to say to me, Vanessa, there's your, there are your guests over there, because my guests used to dress as if they were coming to a mitzvah. I think they used to bring the filter fish balls in their handbags, and so, honestly, mergers, business mergers took place in the lobby. People got married, all sorts of things happened. It was the most wonderful show. We used to have a unicycling rabbi, Holocaust survivors, Jackie Mason, the Jerusalem Post, the Wheat So Bake Off. I mean, it was really fun. It was- and, and that show. was my first ever show. I, I used to get paid 50 quid to present it. And I used to spend about three days a week prepping for it and learning how to do it because I didn't really know how to do radio. I used to write 20 questions for every single guest in case I ran out. How did you get that gig? I was a guest on the show originally. I was a columnist at the Jewish Chronicle and I was right. asked in to talk about a column I'd written. And when I was on in front of the microphone... I amazed myself by being far funnier and more interesting than I was without the microphone, which was an absolute shock. And then I said, oh, please, God, let them ask me back. Let them ask me back, please. And they did. And then I remember driving the car, I had little babies in the back of the car, and I was thinking, oh, I've been on radio 11 times. I've been on radio 17 times. I'm paid. I'm paid. Didn't get paid. And then eventually, after some, about a year or two years, they, 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 they asked me to present the show. That's how. So wasn't that great? 
What did your husband say? You know, is he happy with you going out in the evening to do that? Now, how did he feel about it? You know, who was looking after the children? And they didn't say anything about whether I was any good or whether I was funny or whether it was, you know, a pleasure to hear me or anything of that kind. It was just, how does your husband feel about you doing it? That's why I like women, International Women's Day. Come on, women. Come on. Yes. Um, I, we're not going to go into your personal life, but everybody listening, Vanessa, will know that you've had a really tough time lately. And it, it's, it just strikes me that sometimes women are harder on themselves than anybody else is on them in a way and we'll we'll come up with every excuse to blame ourselves for whatever crap has descended upon us <laughs> do do you believe that might be the case with you yeah i do i think i think it's uh, i think it's hard if you're supposed to be a clever woman or think of yourself as someone clever and someone who's read lots of poems and lots of books and lots of stuff about psychology and is meant to have some kind of insights into human behaviour. And then you have kind of placed your love and your trust and your and your your heart and your soul and, and everything else in somebody who turns out very, very much not to have deserved it. And you feel every possible kind of heartbreak, obviously, and every possible kind of pain, but also you feel incredibly stupid. And that's a horrid combination all at once when you're heartbroken and devastated and also feel like a complete idiot. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to put my best foot forward and soldier on. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't think anyone wants to hear what a rough time I'm having. It's so boring and it's there's nothing new or special special about my heartbreak at all no, and you... I'm and I've you know I've been to work every single day and I've had a, a television camera stuck in my face for three hours a day every day including the day I found out and it was several weeks before it made it into the press um and I think that's the best thing to do I think surround yourself with you know close friends family have as much fun as I possibly can the thing that upsets me most about this I think really is this my mum died at the age of 57 and I have genuinely found every single day that I've lived longer than her to be a gift. I never expected it. I'm thrilled to have it. I'm pleased to be alive, not dead. Of course I am. And I don't want this to spoil it. Mm. I don't want to be... I don't. I know you don't get to choose whether you're grief stricken or not. I I get that. But I, I. it's just such a shame to have this gift of a longer life and then have it so roundly squashed and pulverised by somebody else. And I don't want to. That's why I'm kind of rising up and trying to really fight it and fight on and have as much happiness every day as I can. Because, I mean, I don't want to squander these days by being miserable. What a damn shame, right? But I think the support for you is overwhelming. I've, I've read nothing but praise for you and sympathy and support. It's really mattered to me a lot. I've been amazed by it. I thought people could very easily have said the absolute opposite, actually. So I am very very pleased and, and, and very shored up and actually you know, find it difficult to sleep at the moment etc and do spend quite a lot of time in the middle of the night reading all these amazing DMs and, and people tell their whole life story and what they've been through and how they've come out the other end and I am comforted by it I am, it does work, it really does so anybody who's taken the time to reach out and my god it's hundreds of thousands of people, I can't even tell you the number of people. There, there's an infinite number of messages every time and I try replying and replying and replying and then more and more and more and I think 3.7 million people have seen the Instagram post where all I say is you know I'm um, sorry that my relationship's over and uh, you know once the trust and relationship's gone you 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 got to move on and anyway it's best foot forward that's all I say I don't mm. say anything else and 3.7 million people have seen it and responded and god knows what so you know I am I am, I mean I know it's virtual but it feels very real to me and I'm and I'm extremely grateful for it and you will not be defined by this really quite small period of time in your life. It just won't, you won't allow it to happen to yourself, will you? I, I don't know if you're asking me or telling me. I was hoping I'm you were telling, telling me. I was hoping you were telling me. I was hoping you were telling me. You will not. And then I was going to say, good, okay, I won't then. I was hoping you were telling me. Okay, Tell I'm me. actually, I'm saying, please, Vanessa, don't allow I yourself to I definitely don't be want to. Defined. Of course no. I don't want to be defined by that. I mean, you can, you can wallow in complete despair for at least six months. Well, I'm seven weeks now. Okay, well, you've got a while to go, Seven Mrs. weeks. Uh, cut yourself some slack, yeah. man. I think it's such an interesting point you make about losing a parent because after that age, I mean, it's a real monkey on your back, isn't it? Totally. It's, it's a very odd feeling. 
what do you do in your kind of darkest moments about that? Because it's your own mortality, isn't it, that's just knocking on your door Well, I wasn't having darkest moments, you see. I was thinking, gosh, what was my mother doing at this age? Well, she was dead. What am I doing? Well, I've just jumped off a motorbike because I got delivered here on the back of a limo bike. I'm just about to do a three-hour TV show and radio show here at uh, my new job at News UK. I'm going out tonight with a really good friend. I have just chaired this fabulous International Women's Day symposium. It was great. I'm about to eat a sandwich, which I've hidden in my bag because I haven't had a chance to eat anything all day. Of course, I'm trying not to eat, which has been one of the other underlying pressures of my life. Just do not eat. And and what about don't drink, don't eat, don't do anything. I'm trying not to do anything unwise. Uh, Also, not to be too wise. If I ever get the opportunity to be less wise, maybe I'll take it. I don't know. But I'm trying to to not have any dark, deep thingy bobs. A brilliant, clever woman, and you've got to, you've got to be that person. Well, Don't she is. Trying to be, I am trying to. I am not a, a trained therapist, but I do. <laughs> do, I need, do I look as if I need therapy? I obviously do. Nobody needs it from me. Oh, Just my God. Uh, what are your hopes, then, for the next five, ten years? Let's just leave that episode Okay, I'm hoping, for, I'm hoping for fun and laughter and love, adventure. I'm hoping my children will flourish and my grandchildren and be long and happy and beacons unto the nation. I'm hoping that my show goes from success to even more roaring success. I'm hoping to have all sorts of opportunities. I feel a bit like Lionel Blair. I once, God rest his soul, I once interviewed Lionel Blair and he was at least 85 or something at the time. And I said, Lionel, you know, what are you hoping for? And he said, well, you know, wouldn't mind a leading role in a Hollywood movie. And I thought, oh God, Lionel. And I, I mean, I get it now. I see why. You just think, well, I could. I could do that, couldn't I? I could do that. I feel a bit annoyed that Boris hasn't ennobled me though. Why hasn't he got me on the list? I was charming to him. He came every single four weeks to my show at Radio London when he was mayor of London. We used to make him a nice coffee and everything. And I reckon if he wants his father to be a sir, I could have been Princess Vanessa at the very least. I'm a bit miffed about that, really. Well, I think we'll ennoble you. I'm not sure you'd want to be on that list. I think that's a bit tainted. I'm not sure this is the list to be on. Wouldn't I want to be on it? No. no. Wait, wait, wait for the next one. Fake ermine, obviously. Okay. Uh, Because it is International Women's Day, uh, I know this is almost an impossible question to answer, but if we've got younger women listening who are at the start of their... (laughs) Jane uncorking a bottle of champagne. Terrible wind. I do apologise. It's my age. Uh, Those are the sound effects from the sound effects department. Start of your adult journey Mm. uh, as a young woman... What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given that you'd like to pass on? Gosh, that's such a good question. I think the best piece of advice I was ever given is do your homework. So nobody can ever say she wasn't across it, she didn't get it, you know, she asked the, the stupid question, she didn't She didn't grasp it. You know, be prepared and don't think you know everything. And I do think, I mean, I know this is a bit, this is generalising and I don't mean to be uh, anti-men because I'm not actually, I'm all in favour and all applicants should definitely submit their uh, credentials in triplicate right now. Um, so I'm very much in favour of men um, in many positions actually when I think about it. But But I do think there are some blokes that I'm sure we all know in this, business and industry, who really pride themselves on knowing absolutely nothing. They don't do their homework. They arrive, they're not sure who they're interviewing, they're not sure why, they haven't brushed up on the subject, they found it beneath them or boring. And you can hear the sort of hollow vacuum of their ignorance echoing as they ask the most inane questions. And I think they get away with it. They've got a certain kind of swagger, braggadocio, and God knows what that means. Nobody ever really challenges them. Um, And I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that didn't know what I was talking about and co through. So when you say, are you a workaholic or whatever you ask me, do you ever have a day off? The answer is, of course, I sometimes have a day off, but I do work hard because I want to make sure that I'm worth it. I'm, you know, worthwhile. I'm not, I'm not just a kind of waste of air and a waste of space. That's what I'm trying to do anyway. Vanessa Feltz, of course. And for once, the of course is entirely justified. Uh, the International Women's Day panel will be on the Sun's website tomorrow and there's an email in already, Fee, about, about Vanessa. Uh, yes, it says, Many thanks for your big guest segment with Vanessa. As a Washington, D.C. native, I only stumbled onto her as a radio host a few months back thanks to the YouTube algorithm. It only took a few minutes to get hooked. Like you, I'm a radio lover and work for a decade at NPR as a producer, but I'm picky. Radio is about intimacy and 
authenticity, so you really have to like the host. And Vanessa has all the ingredients. She's intimate, but not too much, informed and authentic, clearly does her homework, well, massively so. And perhaps most importantly, she's likeable because she is and does all of those things. So please tell her if she needs the boost during this time. And then you say uh, nice things to us and... Catherine is looking forward to 10 a.m. DC time every Monday through Thursday because that's when she listens to us. Isn't that weird? That's thrilling. Because I yeah. because I think radio is so dictated by the time that you make the show. So I don't think we sound like a morning, morning show at all. We're an afternoon show. We could be a morning show. Do you think so? Well, we are. We are in DC. Yeah. But I, I just wonder whether that works as well. Works at well, all. Catherine's listening, so yeah. I mean, she sounds like a discerning woman. She knows her radio. Yep. If you can give us some tips on how we could improve and whether you think actually maybe America is going to be our next port of call. <laughs> I think Australia's our next port of call, isn't it? We do seem to have a lot of listeners across Australia. Mm. Is that where the giant, to- uh, giant hedgehogs are? Close. Oh, no, that's, that's New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah, well, yeah. It's just a very, very long flight. I'd have to do it in about seven or eight different little hop skips and jumps i think i'll wait until the times sends me on one of their minor celebrity cruises and i'll do it that way it'll take about six months love. that's all right okay well stock up with the baileys <laughs> off you go <laughs> that's just the other passengers <laughs> i'll be just prowling the decks did you snort, <laughs> did <you> snort? <laughs> oh dear <laughs> we've lost our finesse haven't we and it's only tuesday uh, right, uh, Jane O'Fee at Times.Radio is our email address. We've got so many other ones to get through and we will get through more of them as the week progresses. Yes, uh, and we should say tomorrow is International Women's Day and our guest is the novelist Donna Leon, that's right, isn't it? That is right. And we will also be in the company of a town crier, a lady town crier. Female. Female, yes. Yeah. Uh, there was some talk about whether we'd make the programme all female, but I sort of think, I think we're both of the same mind here, that... We don't want to make... I mean, it doesn't seem a necessity. I mean, we're sort of doing our bit by being female, aren't we? Is that, is that enough? Well, I think so. And increasingly, uh, I think it's just so important to not feel that you exclude men from our conversation because there are there are just some hints that we're dropping along the way. Yeah, there are. They're friendly hints. I hope you've picked <laughs> up on them. Fellas. Um, I don't, don't, just don't I want to send another message just to Caroline about the moon landings. Don't worry about it, Caroline. Okay. You and me, we know what really happened. Do you think the dinosaurs existed, Jane? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> You have been listening to Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Ben Mitchell. Now you can listen to us on the free Times radio app or you can download every episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget that if you like what you heard and thought, hey, I want to listen to this, but live. Uh, then you can, Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5 on Times Radio. Yeah. Embrace the live radio jeopardy. Thank you for listening and hope you can join us off air very soon. Goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.